morning. Good to see you this morning. almost feel like I need to reintroduce myself since I haven't been with you the, the whole month. Uh, it's uh, incredibly frustrating to want to be here, not to be able to be here. Um, and last Sunday morning, I was totally surprised. I was, got ready for church, you know, got dressed, you know, got in the car, everything was normal, till I got out on the road. And after about a quarter of a mile, I knew I had to uh, turn around and head back home. So... Uh, uh, I hated it, but uh, I'm glad you were able to uh, worship here uh, last Sunday, and I'm glad to be back with you uh, today. I'd like you to open God's Word with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to be reading uh, verses that are probably familiar to almost all of us, and uh, you'll see what the focus uh, is, beginning in the, the second half of the chapter, in verse 17, and I'll be reading down to the end of, of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Lord's Supper, which we're observing this morning, is very precious. Uh, in the life of the church. 
more so than I think we stop to realize and appreciate many times. In fact, I would say that it is precious to the life of the church. I said a few weeks ago, uh, we're talking about some of the characteristics of what makes a real church, and one of those is that it is a group of believers who, uh, on a regular basis, observes the Lord's Supper. So it's something important that we're supposed to do, and it's also something that we need to remember is a great privilege. It's a tr tremendous privilege for us to be able to do what we're doing this morning. But just like worship on a regular Sunday with, without the elements of the Lord's Supper, if we're not really spiritually prepared for it, then we'll not get from it what the Lord intended for us to receive. We'll miss out on a lot in our worship. If we haven't sought in the days before our coming together to engage in preparation. Uh, very specifically in this scripture that we looked at this morning, Paul tells us that it's not only helpful, it's really imperative that you do that. But if we are properly prepared, and if we do properly participate, in the Lord's Supper, then it can result in some truly wonderful uh, changes or blessings or dynamics in the life of the individual Christian and in the life of the church. And I want to share what six of those would be this morning that are brought out in this scripture uh, before we take the Lord's Supper. First of all, the Lord's Supper leads to re-examination of our lives. The Lord's Supper leads to, or should lead to, re-examination of our lives. Now I say re-examination instead of simply examination because this is an activity that the Christian needs to engage in on uh, a regular basis. Uh, it, it's not, you don't uh, examine yourself once in your life as a Christian, but rather on a recurring basis in your life as a Christian. In verse 27 of the text that I read to you, Paul said that whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. What does it mean to, to do that? What does it mean to eat the bread or drink the cup in an unworthy manner? What does it mean to profane the body of the Lord? But down in verse 20, he talks about those who eat and drink without discerning the body. What is he talking about? Well, I think generally speaking, what he's talking about is... Not giving proper respect or reverence to the Savior that you say that you know and worship. And the death that he suffered on our behalf. Uh, when you enter into any worship service, and particularly speaking, when we enter into 
the Lord's Supper, and we come in with a rather casual, flippant uh, attitude. Uh, we're not prayerful. We're not concentrating on what the Word of God is saying to us by the Spirit of God. We perhaps have sin in our lives that we have long learned to just live with and not deal with. And then we come into a church service and we think that by eating a little cracker and drinking a little juice, then that makes us okay. And all we have to do is leave and we know that we have worshipped and we have pleased the Lord. Paul says, don't be fooled by that. That is absolutely not true. He says when you do that, you are guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So what are we to do? In verse 28, he says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let a person examine himself, and so. In other words, first of all, Engage in self-examination and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Get your heart right. Get your spirit in sync with the Holy Spirit of God before you engage in the act of the Lord's Supper. And as we examine our lives, what, what is it we should be looking at? Well, let me share three aspects of the Christian life we need to re-examine. We need to re-examine our position in Christ. We need to re-examine our purity before Christ. And we need to re-examine our performance for Christ. First of all, we need to re-examine our position in Christ. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Examine then your position in Christ. Re-examine your purity before Christ. David in Psalm 24 asked the question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Have you come here today to partake of sacred elements, so to speak, with clean hands and with a pure heart? And thirdly, we should re-examine our performance for Christ. Our performance for Christ. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So it benefits us if we're ready for this time of special worship. And if we examine ourselves and then eat the bread and drink the cup, we should re-examine our position in Christ. In other words, we need to be answering 
the critically simple but important question, am I saved? Am I saved? Because if you're not a believer in Christ, we're glad that you're here, but when it comes to taking the Lord's Supper, that's really not something you should do. Because it is meant to be for believers only. So, what is your position before Christ? Are you saved? When we re-examine our purity before Christ, we're asking the question, am I sanctified? Do I have, spiritually speaking, clean hands and a pure heart? And when we are re-examining our performance for Christ, we need to be asking ourselves the question, am I serving Am I currently at this point in my life, am I serving the Lord? Because the day's going to come when we're going to all have to stand, Paul said, before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will receive what is due to us for what we've done while in this life as Christians, whether good or bad. If Christ were to come today, and we were to stand before Him at His judgment seat, would that be a good time for him to find us serving him? The Lord's Supper leads to re-examination of our lives. Secondly, the Lord's Supper leads to repentance from sin. It leads to repentance from sin. In verse 28, Paul said, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, and here's why he said in verse 29, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Reexamination almost always leads to repentance. Because almost, maybe, maybe not always, but almost every time when you and I, by the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Ask the Lord, as David did in Psalm 139, to search us, Lord, and know our hearts and see if there be any anxious way in us. Most of the time in our lives as Christians, the Lord will reveal some sin in our lives to us that we maybe were not even aware of until He brought it to our awareness. Our sin in our lives that maybe we have coveted and petted in a sense for so long that we have just come to accept it. But the Lord lets us know that it's not acceptable to Him. Re-examination almost always leads to repentance. What's the incentive for repentance? The reality that we are going to be judged someday. In verse 31, in verse 30, Paul says, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. That's an incredible statement. Paul says, said that some of the Corinthian congregation had become very ill, and some of those who had become ill had died, and he says here, the reason why they had is because they ate of the bread and drank of, drank of the cup without discerning the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, God judged them for their callous, uncaring attitude and for their willingness to bring sin to the table of the Lord. 
and believe that somehow that that would be okay before a holy God. Now, does that mean every Christian that gets sick, God's judging them because of sin? Absolutely not. That's not what this is saying. That's not what I am saying. But that's what he is saying is that in this case, in several incidences, members of that church had been stricken because they had such a casual, carnal, flippant attitude towards the Lord's table. So he said in verse 31, But if we judged ourselves, truly we would not be judged. In other words, he says, Brothers and sisters, we have a choice to make. We can either judge ourselves as we examine our hearts if God reveals sin to our life, then we need to make the judgment that that is sin, that is wrong, and we need to repent of it, we need to turn from it. Or we can just go on and continue to coddle our sin and know for sure that the judge of all the earth someday will indeed judge us for that unconfessed sin in our lives. Which, which will we choose? Take care of it now or let the Lord handle it later? But notice carefully when he's talking about this whole issue of examination, uh, who the focus is on. Bring you back again to verse 28. He says, let a person examine who? Himself. Let a person examine himself then. What is our tendency? To look at the sin in this person's life or in this person's life instead of experiencing the discomfort of having to gaze within and look at the possibility of sin in my own life. No, let a person, not let a person examine his brother or sister, but let a person examine himself. In Romans chapter 14, Paul said, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you, why do you despise your brother, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Let a man examine himself. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why, he said, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Examine yourself. The Lord's Supper leads to re-examination of our lives. It almost always then leads to repentance from sin. And then thirdly, it many times leads to restoration 
of relationships. Restorations of relationships. The Corinthian church had a relationship problem big time, didn't they? If we looked at this text, you remember how he talked about it at the beginning in verse 17? He said, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. What, what a terrible indictment to make against the church. To say, you know, you'd really be better off if you just never met. Because when you come together, spiritually speaking, you don't really come together. Yeah, you're all in the same room, but you're not together. No, you got a little clique over here and you got a little group over there. And some are divided because of their socioeconomic position. And some others are divided because of the uh, arrogance they have or the spiritual gifts they possess. And, and some are divided because they follow a certain apostle versus another apostle. There was all sorts of, of breaks in the unity. The, the body of Christ in Corinth was fractured into so many different segments. What would he say about Bear Cove Baptist Church in that regard? Is it good that we are together today on this Sunday? And as we are all here together in this same room, or as we are here uh, together in the room and virtually, are we truly together? The Lord knows. The Lord knows the truth about that because the Lord knows each of our hearts, doesn't he? So, I am not going to please the Lord by drinking a little juice and chewing on a little cracker if I have an unforgiving attitude toward my brother in Christ. That's what he's saying, isn't it? I don't please the Lord by going through the ritual of the Lord's Supper, if I hold resentment and bitterness in my heart towards another Christian. That's terribly wrong. Paul says when you do that, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. Every bite of the bread and every drink of the cup that you engage in with a stony, unrepentant, hateful heart, only increases the judgment that God is preparing for you to experience someday. So, brothers and sisters, we need to be sure, as best as we can be sure, that we're right with one another. That we have forgiven one another. That we love one another. That we're not just sharing the same building or we're not just part of an organization that's under the same name, but that we are family. And not a feuding family, not the Hatfields and the McCoys, but a family that's brought together with one common love. And that's love for the one who has brought us out of death into life. One who has forgiven us of all of our sin and removed it from us as far as the east is from the west and has given us eternal life.
And that's what brings us together. Because we love Him, we love each other. We don't love each other. Can we really say we love Him? What does the Bible tell us about that? There was a certain pastor who was in a church where there was a woman in the church who felt like it was her spiritual gift to criticize everything the pastor did. And the pastor became more and more irritated about that and angry about that, and he knew that he was developing spiritually a heart problem about that, so he knew that he needed to be the mature one in that situation, and he needed to go see that woman and, and, and try to reconcile with her. So finally, one day, he, he, he screwed up enough courage to, to, to go to her house, and he knocked on the door, and nobody came. And he knocked, and then he knocked again, and nobody came to the door. He was frustrated. He wanted to turn around and say, well, at least I tried. But he decided to do one more thing first, and he got down on his knees in front of the front door, and he looked through the keyhole of the door, and he discovered the woman inside the house with her eye looking through the keyhole on her side. And so both of them embarrassed, they, she opened the door, the pastor came in, and they had a very productive conversation. And they went a long way towards reconciling uh, in their relationship. And as they were leaving, the pastor said to the lady, isn't it ironic that both of us had to get down on our knees before we could begin to see each other eye to eye? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth with you and me? The Lord's Supper many times leads to the restoration of relationships. You remember what Jesus said in the scripture that Frank read to us a while ago. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Look at that scripture. When you get home today, look at that scripture and look at it carefully. Folks, if the church, and I'm just speaking of the church in general, if the church took that exhortation from the Lord seriously, then when it came time for the Lord's Supper, probably 90% of the congregation would have to get up and leave. Because they would know that they had business to do with their brother or sister before they took of the bread and drank of the cup. How is it with you and me? Then the Lord's Supper leads to remembrance. Remembrance of His sacrifice. Paul, down in verse 24, said that when Jesus had given thanks, He took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In remembrance. In remembrance. It's amazing. The power of symbols sometimes. Uh, the impact emotionally and spiritually 
a, a simple symbol can sometimes have. Take, for instance, a firefighter's helmet. Okay, you can picture that in your mind. For almost 20 years now, when I see a firefighter's helmet, or when I see a firefighter dressed in their full gear, I think of the 300 plus firefighters in New York City who gave their lives on September the 11th, 2001, who were willing to go back into those burning towers to try to rescue other people. And then when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we, in other contexts, what would these two simple elements, what significance would they have, right? But in the context of the Lord's Supper, we take this little bit of bread and this little bit of juice and we think of our Lord and we think of His cross and we think of His sacrifice. Today, when you take of the Lord's Supper, before you eat the bread, before you drink the cup, just think this to yourself. Jesus died for me. Fifthly, the Lord's Supper leads to rejoicing. It leads to rejoicing. It's a solemn event. It's a sacred event. It's, it's meant to be taken with grave seriousness, but at the same time, it is a joyful experience of worship. If we approach it the right way, and if our hearts are right, when we participate in it, we are to rejoice. We're to rejoice, the scripture says here, in, in two things. We rejoice in our redemption, and we rejoice in His return. In verse 26, He said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We rejoice in our redemption, you proclaim the Lord's death. The cross hovers over the table at the Lord's Supper. Our English word crucial comes from a Latin word which means pertaining to a cross. The Latin word crux means cross. When someone is talking about something being the crux of the matter, they're talking about this is what is at the heart of the matter. This is what is crucial to the whole thing. Folks, the cross is crucial to everything that the Lord's Supper is meant to mean because it is the means of our redemption. That is why the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. That is why Paul said the message of the cross is a stumbling block to Jews and it's foolishness to Greeks, but to those of us who are being saved, it is both the power and the wisdom of God. The cross. We rejoice in our redemption because the only way you and I experience redemption is by the sacrifice of the one and only holy, perfect eternal 
Son of God. And then we also rejoice in His return. He said, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Don't forget those last three words. Until He comes. The Lord's Supper is not going to be observed eternally. It's to be observed, Jesus said, Paul said, excuse me, until Jesus returns. In 1914, Sir Ernest Shackleton headed up a very ambitious expedition to be the first people to traverse Antarctica, the South Pole. And on his way to achieving that destination, his ship wound up stuck in a, in a sea of ice and they couldn't go anywhere and the ice was putting so much pressure on the ship that it was literally breaking apart. So they finally had to abandon ship and they got in a couple of, of open boats, smaller boats, and they made their way to a very inhospitable, rugged, foreboding kind of island called Elephant Island. But they knew they couldn't survive there for very long. And so Shackleton took a group of those men and took one of the boats, and they struggled their way to South Georgia Island. And there they were able to secure another ship. And then when there came just this brief passage of time where there was an opening in the ice, they were able to get back to Elephant Island and rescue the rest of the crew. After the rescue had been completed, Shackleton had turned to one of the crew members and said, how did it happen that you were packed and, and ready for my coming and that you were standing on the shore ready to leave at a moment's notice? The crewman said to him, when you left, you said you would come back for us. And we never gave up hope. Jesus said something like that, didn't he? Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you unto myself that you may also be where I am. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He promised that He would. And we can depend upon that promise. And we can rejoice in it. And then finally, the Lord's Supper leads to renewal. Renewal of our commitment to Him. This really summarizes all the other uh, factors that I mentioned. This should be spiritually an incredibly renewing experience. For, for the individual believer and for the church as a whole. And it's because that because of the Lord's Supper, I should be more grateful and more joyful. Because of the Lord's Supper, I should have a greater love and appreciation for my church family. Because of the Lord's Supper, I should be more fervent in my worship and I should be more faithful in my service. All of that because of the Lord's Supper. Our communion with Him at His table should reinforce our commitment to Him day by day. So let's then worship our Lord.
at his table today. And I'll ask our deacons if they would step forward at this time. lead us in prayer before you receive these elements. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that if we were not ready before, that we're more ready now, after these few moments in worship, to partake with reverence and with gratitude the elements that preach the good news that Jesus died for us. May we do so in a way that honors you. May we be a people with clean hands and pure hearts. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, if you would go ahead and peel off the, the top that has, uh, contains the little piece of bread and take that bread in your hand. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
The Lord Jesus was speaking of himself when he said, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. If you would, take the cup side there of your container and peel the, the top from it. The Bible says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Tim, would you lead us in prayer, please? Father God, Lord, we just praise you and thank you for this day, Father. Lord, we thank you for the sacred example, Lord, that you've given us, Father, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Lord, on the importance of self-examination in our walk and our relationship with you, Father. Lord, we just praise you for that, Lord. Lord, we just thank you once again for this opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Apostle John said that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As I said a few moments ago, if we're properly prepared and if we properly participate in the Lord's Supper, we should be renewed. My hope and prayer is that you've been renewed as a result of your experience of worship this morning, but we're not quite done. Uh, the Bible tells us that when Jesus gathered with his disciples in that upper room, that before they left, that they sang a hymn. And we're going to sing a song of, of dedication and commitment to our Lord. And if anyone needs to make a public response, there'll be those of us down here who can meet with you and talk with you and pray with you. If it, uh, Brother Frank's here, I'm here, the deacons are, are down here. If you need someone to pray with you, if there's someone here who needs to make a decision about church membership, if there's someone here today who wants to become a Christian but you're not sure what that means, then there, there's, there's people here who would appreciate the opportunity to share the gospel with you. Or if you have accepted Christ, but you've never made it public, and now you know that you're ready for that, and you're ready to be baptized and become a, a part of this local church. And you come for that reason as well. But if no one needs to walk down any of these aisles and make a public decision, the, the Lord Jesus is inviting us each of us this morning through this time of worship to leave here different than when we came in. I hope and pray that each of us will accept that invitation. Let's stand as Dave leads us in song.